Shrek told Donkey one time. That's when you know you're about to hear real truth, right? Shrek told Donkey that ogres are like onions. They have layers, right? Meaning just what you see here is not all there is to an ogre. You begin to peel back a little bit. You begin to find out things about the ogre. Maybe things you didn't recognize. Maybe things the ogre was trying to hide. Maybe things you would never even think possible. But as you peel back the layers of that onion or that ogre, you find something new, something you did not expect. Now, that may even describe not only ogres, but us, right? Not so much that we're ogres all the time, but that there's things about us that we keep hidden. There's things about us that, well, not everybody needs to know. There's things about us that we'll just keep nicely, nice and tight so nobody can get in. The good news, friends, when it comes to Jesus the Christ, Jesus is no onion. Hmm? There are no layers to Jesus. Jesus doesn't present himself to be one way, and we begin to peel back and find out that Jesus is actually something else. Or that Jesus says, this is what I mean, but we peel back the layers and find out that Jesus means something else. When we hear about the good news of Jesus, what we know about Jesus is what Jesus is. Real interesting, if you look at the, think about the stories that are in the Gospels according to Matthew, Mark, and Luke. You hear a lot about what Jesus did or what Jesus said. And we read those stories and we learn from those stories so that we can know how Jesus walked, how he lived, so we can know how he wants us then to live, how he wants us to interact with each other, the things he wants us to know about life. But if you look at the gospel according to John, John's a little different. Seems like John is always a little different. See, in John's account of the gospel, we aren't told so much what Jesus did as much as we are told who Jesus is. John will even say towards the very end of his book in chapter 20. John says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. In John's gospel, what's important is not so much what Jesus said or did, but who Jesus is. Of course, here Jesus, John says Jesus is the Messiah, but in the passage we read, Jesus as, is portrayed as something else. Verse 7 of chapter 1 that we read, says that John came as a witness to testify to the light so that all may believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. See, according to John, Jesus is, Jesus was, the true light. That's why we use candles in our worship to remind us of the light that is Christ. 
And the truth about any light is that as hard as it may be to get it started sometimes, once it's lit, it will always overcome darkness. You can shut the windows. You can put anything you want over the windows. You can make it as dark as you want. You can turn off the lights. You can take the bulbs out just to be on the safe side. You can turn out every light. You can cover up every crack and every piece of anything that can bring in light. You can make it as dark as you want to here or any other place. But no matter how dark you try to make it to be, it does not affect this light. This light still gives light. And John tells us that that is what Jesus is. Jesus is our light. That no matter how dark things seem around the light, does not take away from who Jesus is. No matter how dark we try to make things be, Or how dark things tend to get or be. The light is still the true light. Somebody thank God for that. Because that's what we celebrate at Christmas. That the true light came into a dark world. And that true light is still lit. Darkness does not overcome the light. But you want to know the most disturbing part about Christmas? We come to celebrate the light. The most disturbing part of Christmas is to be represented in a prayer request I heard yesterday. And some of us gathered at the nursing home for a Christmas Eve service. We sang familiar Christmas songs. We We heard some of the Christmas stories, verses we read when we gathered here later on that night. But as we were there, we gave the residents a chance to say anything that they wanted to be in prayer for. And maybe I'm making a big assumption. Maybe I am. But as I hear those people and as you talk to them as you go around, my impression is they don't get the opportunity very much when someone says, what can I pray for for you? So when we asked them if there was anything that we could pray for for them, one lady raised her hand. And she asked us to pray with her that her family would come to know God. You see, the most disturbing part of Christmas is John chapter 1, verse 10. When John says that he, the light, was in the world. And the world came into being through him. And yet, the world did not know him. Now, if that were something that was true a long time ago, we could be okay with that. If it was just speaking of one moment in time when the world did not know the light of Christ, we could say, thank God we passed that. But the reality is, Christmas, today, 2011... God is in the world, and the world came into being through God, and yet the world still does not know him. 
Now, maybe they don't want to know him. Maybe the pressures of the holidays get in the way of seeing him and knowing him. Shoot, let's be real. Maybe we get in the way of them seeing him and knowing him. But the reality is, brothers and sisters, is that the world still does not know him. But beautiful are the feet, the mountains of the messengers who announce peace, who bring good news and announce salvation. Thanks be to God for those people. 